greetings everybody out there in dreamland namaste and salam iron a sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend thank you all very much for tuning into another broadcast of the beyond top secret texan i am the beyond top secret texan i am broadcasting to you from the third coast the coast of the most the gulf coast of texas and it is my pride and privilege to be doing so The Earth has a bug problem. It's getting worse. We know that Dark Fleet has returned to Earth. We know that Solar Warden is stretched very thin in terms of its fleet capabilities in protecting not only the three interior systems. Earth, Venus, and Mars. There's nothing really on Mercury. It's just kind of a gas station. In these terms, as the sun is used for fuel for the Astro High Command ships. As well as the sun itself as a star date. So, creatures and species, ships, fleets, entering our dimension traveling through our sun in a literal stargate when they exit into our solar system their first planet of encounter or landing you know the first place they stop is Mercury and that is basically just a giant supply depot slash um, it's basically just a giant like airport slash gas station and it refuels uh, fleets make sure that they're running right for the solar system's physics um, serves as an information desk explaining the various different planets species to encounter processes entrance to all you know beings ships so that they're on the catalog, so the known in case they're observed and when they're observed on radar, etc. I tell them the rules, the ins and outs. That's Mercury. But the Earth is the busiest nexus of travel as well as having the most difficult uh, obligation to keep secret the existence of these travelers and tourists, colonizers and colonists, diplomats, scientists, everything from extraterrestrial biologists to interstellar architects. Here for a study abroad, learning the architecture of Earth and everything in between, full spectrum. both humanoid and non-humanoid species of the 900 extent intelligent species that have been cataloged by mankind, as well as many that are new to us that are entered into this catalog, but who encounter Earth as tourists, as the quote-unquote tourist, the researchers, the diplomats, the explorers, who have already heard of Earth and done their research as best they can and are here just experiencing it. They're 
themselves in person, as it were, in person, quote-unquote, in the flesh. And in the flesh, quote-unquote, because this man may be fleshed. Now, there are major, major groups that visit us, but most are completely controlled by the Astra High Command in terms of military, police, security, uh, forces, the monopoly of violence. I know a lot of people know in terms of that, the monopoly of violence is completely within the Astar High Commands. Even the Dark Fleet are no match for the Astar High Command. The Orion Draco Empire was brought to kneel in submission over a war that took thousands and thousands and thousands of years. A quantum war in multiple dimensional fronts. And everything is allowed to occur because the greater security is provided by the Astra High Command. They ensure things like uh, the fact that there will never be a nuclear annihilation on Earth. This is child's play to them. They can stop time. They can see the future. They can change the past. And this was encountered, the Asher High Command's power was encountered, yes, in the Manhattan Project itself. And while nuclear weapons have been detonated in practice, in, in tests, successfully, yes, they have. Hydrogen bombs, neutron bombs, etc. All that has been tested successfully in tests. They have never been deployed in war. That is a fact. They have never been deployed in war. Nagasaki and Hiroshima were not nuclear or atomic bombs, which they were. They were atomic bombs. They weren't even nuclear bombs. They were atomic bombs, which is a, uh, in essence, a prototype of nuclear neutron and hydrogen. Um, they're a massively inferior weapon compared to those that have been tested subsequently in the American arsenal, in the modern world's arsenal. Uh, they weren't. Those were fire bombs. Those were fire bombs. They were... Um, Bunker busters, basically, and in extreme, you know, capacities, why they call them fat boy and everything, because they were just massive regular conventional bombs um, filled with incendiary. Um, that was the type of what they call it out. Dust explosion, aerosolized explosion. It was, it was, it was unconventional, yes, and extremely devastating, yes but absolutely more propaganda than they're letting alone. Um, and most of everything was just falsified and, and, and rewritten, which is why people still live in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and there's not radiation lingering. There's really like these... All, these. Yes, it was burned down, but that's another story. That's another story entirely. Point is, um, worlds in no real danger. Astro High Command are in control. Dark Fleet are here to help manage the affairs and provide extra forces and security onto the world that they have inherited responsibility for. Yes. Forget everything else politically about their ideology or spiritually about their culture, any sociologically about their, you know, civilization's makeup and origins or purposes, uh, ideals, etc. They are here because they have responsibility as a breakaway civilization to guard and control the safety of the earth.
just like Solar Warden. And while they have chosen a distant path, a path furthest away from this inner system, mostly being interstellar at this point, being the first human beings who are living in other solar systems as colonists, as was their, you know, ideal, as was their entire society's uh, obsession, was to be the furthest reaching, furthest exploring, furthest traveling uh, race and achieve immortality that way. But they have returned because of this responsibility on Earth, as well as Solar Wardens uh, asking for assistance, asking for help after this peace treaty was signed two years ago, in our time, two years ago. At first, I thought it was because of the Aztec Mayans and the breakaway civilization, which numbers in the billions and cannot be adequately invaded or stopped or maybe has even defeated and fought to a standstill and a stalemate, the Solar Warden invasion, the Earth Alliance invasion into this hollow Earth, which I had suspected it was just a matter of time, and that the victory against these is impossible because they're so well entrenched and bunkered in. And um, our resources were going into fighting the very few isolated Orion Draco subterranean cities left. Yes, that, that 100% was effective and has happened, but still is ongoing and isn't as victoriously, like, you know, 100% decisive as the propaganda and the, the information was appearing to present itself as. Um, with them, but there are still being uh, millions of rogue reptilians, hostile reptilians across the world. In fact, the, the earliest victories were just that, the earliest days of the wars of victories, which set the uh, spin, set the momentum, but it is a campaign that will probably take almost a century at current paces to complete, regardless of victory or defeat, because it's such a massive, massive uh, there's more livable area, there's more space, there's more uh, territory, as well as just larger populations in the subterranean realms than we have ever accurately estimated. And we see now that the, the difficulty of the task It's on par with defending the Earth from the Orion Draco invasion. But the fact that it's happening not hundreds of thousands of millions of miles away, you know, across the orbits of Mars, incoming across the asteroid belts, as well as defending it from the, from, from the moon, using the moon basically as a giant uh, fortress and then fighting the land phase of the invasion on Antarctica which is very far removed from most civilization and impossible to witness these underground city fights are right under major cities and metropolitan areas 
and Solar Warden's real technological advantage of being in a fleet that can travel across space and, and bombard from these high up um, altitudes as well as sending in its advanced technologies, its cybernetic soldiers, etc. Is that um, it can't use these because it can't reveal them to the populations yet. Even though if you actually watch the videos and close enough to these paranormal channels, you will see that it's clearly what's happening are these space battles, etc. happening. When they're defending these cities, these, these surface areas, uh, these nations like North America, uh, the USA, um, their bases above and like Alaska, etc. from others, uh, they're space battles. You see space battles. Actual space battles occurring to this day. But what I thought this was all for was for the Aztec Mayans, the, the Sebulbans living in Sebulba, the subterranean world of the Aztecs across South America, the Amazon jungle, and North America. And I thought they were, they were rising to the surface again due to the end of their calendar, their calendric cycle, and are going to welcome in what I have already ascertained are confirmed uh, reports of these Mayan Aztec ships, these fleets, returning to Earth. Uh, no, they seem to be transport ships. So they're either bringing, they're bringing in populations of these Aztec Mayans to, as reinforcements, or they're returning these colonists, you know, by choice. You know, electing to just reunite the species, this, this, this group, this civilization. Which is human, by the way. Absolutely human. Hybridized reptilian, yes, but human. Human. And um, just like you and I, spiritually. But Aztec and Mayan, now given the human sacrifice. The profound uh, attire of jade and gold and silver. Uh, obsidian instead of steel. Uh, blades and but everything else crystal based energies jewels um, stone stone craft that master stone craft they can make uh, stone density uh, anti-gravity properties come out they can actually activate some stones anti-gravity properties like granite and thus their pyramids you know their ships and everything are basically carved out of stone but this isn't the case in fact what I was afraid of was that the Orion Draco, I mean the uh, Dark Fleet, and the Solar Warden were going to try to purge this breakaway Aztec Mayan civilization, you know, to extinction, and then force a simulation into its societies because of some kind of hostility, maybe a declaration of war against the United Earth Alliance, maybe a declaration of war against, uh, you know, all of mankind, and an invasion of the surface world against the cities of South America. Uh, the civilian population, etc. All-out war, total war between the two civilizations. But it turns out there might be more to this peace treaty than just a, sta a ceasefire or a uh, or a uh, armistice. It's an alliance, and it's an alliance between the Sebulbans. Solar Warden and its Earth NATO 
and the Dark Fleet as three dominant civilizations on Earth with breakaway civilization levels of technology. And they are going to fight a war against the Insectilians, which seems inevitable despite the decades of neutrality that have been maintained between the Insectilians and the Ashtar High Command. Now, the Insectilians are an unofficial member of the Ashtar High Command. They're mantis species, doctors, surgeons, higher intellectuals, and spiritual castes, oftentimes being seen in the company of Ashtar High Command ships, in the company of greys, which they can create and have mastery over, given their... Like, if you don't remember, the Insectilians are um, from another dimension. They're from another timeline. They're from another universe. However you would like to incorporate that. Where, in their timeline, instead of mankind being created by the Orion Draco to serve as an intelligent servant race, the Insectilians were created to serve as an ancient server race. And just like in our timeline, the opportunity to liberate ourselves occurs when a civil war between the Orion Draco and an invasion of the Astra High Command occur, uh, you know, coincide with each other, basically, creating a moment of weakness that the Orion Draco hadn't experienced in millions of years, in which they never recover from. In their timeline, the Orion Draco engage in that civil war and are just wiped out of existence from their own mutually assured destruction, weapons of mass destruction and total war, as well as an Ashtar High Command that in their timeline and universe was far more severe and deadly in its operations. Now, given this coincidence and given this fact, this context, they were left as the sole inheritors of all life on Earth in a world that was once completely operated by the Orion Draco. And so they inherited the technology. They inherited the black goo. They inherited the spaceships. They inherited the, the, the war technologies, the weapons. They inherited the societies, the, the, the networks, the infrastructures, all of it which was already in place. This, given the fact that they were artificial and still first generation, allowed their entire society to basically be born in a cradle of gold in terms of evolution. So within a million years of splendid isolation and sole inheritorship, like a sole child, the only child in this, in this timeline, they were raised to a point where they learned how to travel through dimensions and their entire society's economy, their entire society's focus was a single-minded obsession with acquiring reptilian technology that they soon found was almost in every single other dimension. This allowed their populations to explode exponentially as they kept exploring for and discovering dimensions 
and timelines where the Orion Draco no longer existed on Earth for whatever reasons, but had left the entirety of their technology to be repossessed, acquired, and used by the Insectilians. Now, from their already advantageous beginnings, the Insectilians, having discovered dimensional travel, and now literally a near endless supply of planets worth of Orion Draco cities and infrastructure and technologies from various timelines that all had variations but were generally the same because of the fact they were Orion Draco without competition for this since many of the timelines simply only had primitive man or worlds controlled by the Ashtar High Command who had no reason to to dispute or to squabble over the technology of the Orion Draco but by this time when they first encountered the Ashtar High Command given the fact that they are not multi-dimensional the Insectilians were able to not only blend seamlessly within their societies as neutral travelers, merchants harvesters of planetary resources and wealth but also as intelligent species communicating values, technology, teaching even the Asher High Command about the multidimensional nature of the universe. For although the Asher High Command has control over time, they are still stuck in one timeline, whereas the Mantids may not control time itself, but can travel between potential timelines choosing which is most advantageous for their existence and survival. Once they fill up one planet with their kind and have taken all the resources that are available, the cities, the, the technology for their own, adding it into their civilization, they then simply move to the next in mass in one large swarm meaning that the potential maximum populations of the Insectilians number in the as many worlds as they have conquered this way. And yet put conquer in, in hypothesis. It's not an active physical military domination. It's not an attack. It's simply like a hermit crab moving into a newer shell. And as they grow... They move to a newer Earth with available resources, with their entire population, their newer increased mass, the size of their numbers ranking in the trillions, planets worth, between dimensions, finding planets to take. Their, their size, the technology to do this, the fact that this is their survival strategy, it makes them uncontrollable. It makes them ungovernable. And while they maintain positions of neutrality and general civilization,
they're not ruled by the Astra High Command. They're not afraid of the Astra High Command. They're not intimidated by the Greys. They're not intimidated by the Orion Draco of any kind. They're not intimidated by really any power. Although they still take great caution around them. As they are not a species of total war, but simply obsessed with the acquisition of Orion Draco technologies. And not necessarily looking to fight for them. At least in not any existentially serious way. They would simply move to a universe where they could have a better, easier harvest. Or so we thought. So we believed, given our own communications with Mantids and longtime listeners of this channel of the Beyond Top Secret Texan will know that our encounters with Mantids were profound. They were many. They still are. I still capture them on camera. The last one captured last year on camera. I consider them being constant passengers and observers to my life. And that Texas itself is a huge colony of insectilians that moved out past the Eagle Pass area and the wilderness and shrub country there to harvest and live in an old Orion Draco subterranean city that was along the Rio Grande. And that these creatures have basically colonized a huge amount of South Texas up to Central Texas and North. And that people from Houston to San Antonio to Corpus Christi to Brownsville have all reported an increase in what they either call shadow men, uh, mantids, um, extraterrestrial abduction, UFO sightings, with evidence of uh, the best evidence being captured by an oil worker in the Eagle Pass area of a huge colony ship crossing the sky with the bioforms of the ship clearly represented on, in, in the photograph. You can see the head of the actual ship itself, which is a living form of insectilian. Smaller insectilians on board. It had a member of the Astra High Command um, chaperoning and escorting it to make sure that the colonization went, went at least, you know, by the, by the rules and laws of the Asha Haikaman Collective, these colonists being unseen and, and not um, being hostile, you know, as they had promised. And, and this is, you know, a thing historically that the Insectilians have come to Earth, that they are here, that people are seeing mantis men all over the world, that there is an active colonization. And most recently, though, the mantids were seen in Peru attacking local villages, attacking local villagers, using terror tactics to try to intimidate them away from what can, I can only assume to be insectilian harvesting of Orion Draco technology 
that they had discovered in the Amazon along this village and were trying to force the people away not realizing the fact that violence to one person is meaningful and serious and especially since this is a violation of the treaties that they have agreed upon to live here remember in their species they're a hive mind one individual is meaningless A thousand individuals is meaningless. They have consciousness. They have personalities. They have individual minds, egos, and souls, yes. But the society itself does not prioritize that. Their culture does not prioritize. They could, if one of theirs was killed, they would simply either take the message or replace it with ten others. It is the will of the hive. It is the mission of the hive to acquire this technology. And during the peace treaty, they had been given substantial territories around Jupiter and Mars to harvest. Since they were Orion Draco colonies and sites of importance without active human presences, and in positions when they're out there that it wouldn't really fucking matter. Because if you ever did meet a human, they probably knew what Insectilians were. Having been part of this breakaway civilization, this off-planet system. But there is something that draws the Insectilian hive towards the Earth. There's something that they're not telling us. That they have been lying to us about. And as much as I want peace, and I want to be diplomatic, and I believe that peace is the only option worth pursuing between species, I am becoming ever more convinced of the inevitability of an interspecies war, an invasion of this earth by insectilians, That are seeking, that have discovered something, they have discovered some secret of the Orion Draco that is in South America that is known to the breakaway civilizations of the Aztec Mayans and Shilboba, the subterranean Aztec Mayans, that is known to the Dark Fleet and is known to Solar Warden. There is some secret Orion Draco technology that is in the Amazon, that is in South America, that these insectilians are going to invade the Earth to acquire. Against all pretexts of secrecy, which the insectilians simply do not care about, against all pretexts of nonviolence, which the insectilians simply will not care about, And against the pretext of controlled disclosure, which the Insectilians simply do not give a shit about. They are going to arrive in the trillions. They, they're going to teleport here through the commandeered stargates they have acquired. 
are land in mass and gigantic fleets and a hive that is shaped like a comet and travels very much like the same. They will use the territories that were given to them in Jupiter and Mars to set up them as bases of operation. They are intelligent beings, but at the same time, their entire population will swarm in mass at once towards Earth. It will be unstoppable on basis of the force of numbers alone. Unless the Astro High Command intervene and operate barrier systems, energy shields, making the Earth impenetrable, but at the same time cutting off the Earth from all access outside from any beings. Basically trapping the colonists who are on Earth, on Earth, until it is, until it is, the energy shield is brought down, until the evasion is over, as well as requiring the full and direct attention of the Astra High Command in the system currently. The same thing was done during the Orion Draco Wars to keep the Orion Draco out of the Blue Sphere systems, the Mars, Earth, and Venus. The Astro High Command and Dark Fleet engaging in the Orion Draco on the outskirts of this territory on the outside of the wall and Solar Warden taking care of the Orion Draco remnants on the inside of this wall. Which is also explanation of why Dark Fleet has returned, at least with two motherships. Solar Warden is concentrating its efforts and trying to repair its damaged fleets, trying to reshore its numbers of fighters and attackers and drones. All of this, of course, told in the media as the lies of the war in the Ukraine. All the money that, all the quote-unquote money and military resources that are quote-unquote going to Ukraine explains all of that. America is not sending a single fucking thing to the Ukraine that matters. It is not sending trillions of dollars worth of military equipment and manpower to the Ukraine. That money is being spent elsewhere. It's because the United States is funding an increase in Solar Warden and its breakaway civilizations and its Space Force. The reason why Trump created Space Force is because of this, I fear, as well. Because of the inevitability of the Insectilian invasion. Which seems apparent to me that when I created this channel, I was naive towards its reality. While I knew it was a possibility and I knew of the seriousness of these beings ever decided to turn openly hostile because of their trillions, their specifications, their specializations, their adaptability, their technology. The technology alone, that's the thing too, yes, there's trillions of them, but they have Orion Draco technology. They have worlds of it. They have spacecraft, they have fighters, they have weapons of all kinds, energy beam weapons, kinetic weapons, they have camouflage cloaking abilities, they have regenerative abilities, they have cyber uh, 
cybernetics. They have um, full-on communications abilities at the speed of light. They have the ability to travel through, um, you know, several dimensions, you know, at, at extremely rapid pace to keep up with them, like, say, on the astral or anything like that. It's extremely difficult, as well as physically being very brutal, very fast. And not all of them, but when they make their warrior casts, they are making warrior casts. It's not, they're not fucking around. These things are deadly as soon as they arrive uh, into their adulthood from their larval stages. And even in their larval stages, they're deadly. I mean, uh, just like the Orion Draco created cast groups, and this was an artificial creature created by the Orion Draco. And it's mainly as above, so below, where the creator puts and endows his, their abilities into their creation. And just like human beings have caste systems, um, that's the way Orion Draco society was created. They have rulers, which are extremely psionically gifted. They can rule entire insectarian societies with hormones and things like that, making these absolutely loyal to them and their mission. They um, can produce gigantic creatures uh, that are living ships, living motherships. One arrived on Luna this past couple of days. There's evidence for this. It has arrived on Luna. It's being seen by amateur astronomers. There's a creature on the moon that is the size of a crater with the average crater being 1.3 million miles across and nearly 2,000 feet deep. This is a this is a creature that is acting like a mothership for long-distance interstellar voyages for actual invasion purposes. Landing on the moon, hopefully to engage in diplomacy, but most likely there as a show of force for the incoming armadas of these things, the swarm fleets of these things, which will probably number in the thousands each carrying tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of these insectilian beings in the form of eggs to be hatched on the, on the planet's surface. You can clearly see in the evidence for these gigantic creature ships, these living ships, spider-like legs, which allow mobilization, mobilization on, um, or mobility on the planet's surface. They operate like giant factories and just produce these insectilians and serve as the basis for their first cities and civilizations. Um, these beings are infused with black goo, meaning that their entire body and internal system is linked, like controllable, like controllable by the operators, by the pilots, by the smaller insectilians themselves, as well as being able to repair itself and understand all sensations and, and um, changes in its you know, condition or its environment instantaneously, despite the fact that it's 1.3 million miles across in diameter and 2,000 feet tall. But we don't even know if this is the biggest one, and I doubt it is. They have hives the size of planets, I'm sure. And will probably, if need be, invade with those planets, just popping in entire insectilian Earths that are just hollowed out, and as they already are, 
and like the subterranean worlds just being massive beehives or anthills that they just generate into our reality and the the matter at hand is almost this is our destruction this is our doom hour if it wasn't for the fact that the astro high command is so dominant in time um quantum situations creating probabilities etc and itself is connected to an even larger force the galactic federation of light which if the astro high command is just one envoy one warrior group one army of the galactic federation of light which controls the entire galaxy uh, there is still hope for us because of this, this power structure that is we have friends in high places in the breakaway civilization lingo but as the days near the Insectilians are using um, several strategies that are becoming very apparent and softening up or preparing the way for them and as they are already here remember they are already here in mass in the millions the vanguard the colonists the beachhead is already created we're trying to stop the major invasion and trying desperately to stop it from being hostile hopefully by intimidating them into maintaining the peace with this alliance between dark fleet the aztec mayan and solar warden fleets Hoping for peace, but preparing for war is the only strategy that we can we can use. We cannot fire first, because if we declared war on them, then we would be absolutely opening ourselves up to this invasion. But the possibility still exists. And if we start trying to destroy or move to stop the colonists as they already are on the Earth or on the moon... That could be declaration of war with us being the aggressors in that situation. It's very, it's tightrope. It's, it's very tense, very intense standoff right now. But you'll see them attacking us in three ways. As time increases, this will be disclosed in the, in the public media. They're going to change the biosphere. They're going to change the balance of life on Earth. And they're going to increase the insect population. Because where they go, the myriad of insects from their dimension follows. That's all part of their biosphere. Look into, just Google search, new species of insects discovered since 2020. Just, just 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Just Google new insects 2023, new insects 2022. Whatever, whatever operating system, whatever search engine you want to use. You will find, even in the vanilla mainstream controlled media, thousands and thousands of articles about new species of insects discovered every single day. Sometimes hundreds of species being discovered on expeditions into the Amazon or as far away as Norway and in the Arctic or in the, or in the, the, the big cities. You'll see L.A., Los Angeles Times, discoveries of new centipedes and millipedes in parks. And do you think that these people, these scientists, these schools, universities, just didn't look or hadn't known that these species existed? Like, there weren't these hundreds of species in Norway 
already? No, it's because they are having to explain the obvious introduction of foreign life forms into our biosphere from alternate Earths, alternate evolutionary paths that are undeniable. Soon, ancient species will be returning to Earth. Megafauna, mega dragonflies that, that are the size of a man's forearm. They will be returning to Earth. You will see millions of year old discoveries. Species they thought were extinct returning to Earth. Being discovered in the Amazon. Most likely the Amazon. This is a, sub, this is a byproduct of insectilians. And it's code within their agencies, within their nations, on how they disclose the fact that insectilians are being discovered amongst them. When they say new species of insects discovered in Norway, they are meaning there is a new insectilian colony or splinter cell or some active group that was discovered in Norway. It is declaring their presence, declaring the fact that they are there. You will see a rise in abductions, implants, genetic materials, harvesting, and more people coming forward with eyewitness testimonies, like myself. Because the insectilians will start abducting people in mass, learning more about them, getting their genetic materials. And I shudder to fear, my, my one instinct is that the actual secret that they have found is a unique form of Orion Draco technology that is passed genetically, a piece of biotech, inside the very genetic code of the Aztec Mayans themselves. And that they are going to harvest this genetic material all of it from the Aztec, meaning that they're going to harvest the entire Aztec Mayan populations. They are going to consume them, add them to their technological repertoire, master this technology before they leave this earth to go elsewhere. That is why the Aztec Mayans have made a peace treaty, because they're going to be consumed by these insectilians, just like they consume the cities themselves that they inherit to them they are no more than just another piece of Orion Draco technology in which they are inheriting, seeking and consuming they're going to start using seismic weapons as I've suggested before that the cartels rising up these warrior casts, their weaponry is seismic, but insectilians also can use seismic weaponry because that's an Orion Draco tactic so anything the Orion Draco can do, weapons-wise, the Insectilians can create as well. Plague. There will be an increase in plague. There will be an increase in uh, bizarre sicknesses around isolated areas like mountains or jungles. And they'll blame it on mankind moving too far into the jungle and unleashing certain toxic viruses, etc. 
This isn't the case. This is bio-warfare from a very exotic species seeking to keep away as many people as possible from its operations before they're finished. You'll see massive plagues of locusts that create famine across many parts of the world. Once again, a bioweapon targeted using an unconventional source. People think warrior bug. They think massive mantis with scythe-like arms and claws and that can turn invisible and cut your head off and eat you alive. No, they're locusts. Locusts that never get full. And they, their imperative is to fly and eat as much vegetation as possible, reducing mankind into a state of famine. And as that becomes our preoccupation to survive this famine and stop this locust swarm, the mantids can divide and conquer. And you'll start seeing debris, which are these swarm ships themselves, entering Earth's atmosphere at a higher and higher rate. With more emphasis counterwise being put into stopping them, either developing lasers to stop comets or asteroids, or to um, create missile shields that Space Force could use to stop large uh, comets from entering the Earth, meteorites, etc., from destroying, say, the ISS or whatever. You will start seeing a weaponization of space in those terms. If they're going to start putting nuclear weapons, for example, in space, to stop meteorites or asteroids. You're going to see them uh, designing lasers and putting them literally on the space station so that they can test them out by destroying space junk, etc. But in reality, this is all disclosure for an increase in planetary defenses that are going to be used by Solar Warden or created and funded by Dark Fleet, the ISCC, etc., to destroy the incoming fleet ships, the hives themselves, as they increase in frequency as the invasion continues. You'll see articles like this. Let me pull it up. Are we about to see a rare green comet light up the sky from space.com? And the answer is no. We're going to see an insectilian hive ship fly towards Earth with the hope of seeding it with the drop pods to bring in their warrior cast, their control cast, and these massive motherships. These living spider ships. These, these fucking big-ass living spaceships. That are carried here from long distances. And these massive monolithic flying beehives. But they're powered with plasmic energies. Which is why they glow green. Comets don't glow. Comets don't catch light. Spaceships do. Are we about to see a rare green comet light up the sky? An expert explains what to expect from Comet Nishimura. 
Unfortunately, Comet Mishimura's path will keep it close to the sun in the sky as observed from Earth. Once again, going through the Stargate, as I've talked about, the Stargate of the Sun. Of all the objects in the solar system, perhaps the most spectacular are the great comets that occasionally grace our skies. If you've been on social media in the past few days, you've probably seen articles proclaiming we have such a comet in our skies right now. C-2023 P1, otherwise known as Nishimura. As I write this, Comet Nishimura is swinging past on its first visit in more than 400 years. Japanese astronomer Hideo Nishimura discovered the comet on August 12th of 2023. Soon after, pre-discovery images of the comet dating back to January were found online, allowing astronomers to determine its path. The quickly realized Nishimura would swing closer to the sun than the orbit of Mercury this month. Giving the comet brightness at the time of discovery, it could become bright enough to see with the naked eye. So it'll be spectacular sight in our skies. While it's definitely bright enough to be visible to the naked eye in the dark skies, it will hug the horizon just after sunset. Astronomers across the globe are excited. Naked eye comets are rare and they're worth observing, says science writer and astronomer David H. Levy. Comets are like cats. They have tails, but they do precisely what they want. There's a chance Nishimura might brighten unexpectedly. If it does, we might see something special in a couple of weeks. If not, there's always next year. What the fuck did that mean? When they are far from the sun in the icy depths of space, comets are essentially lumps of ice, dust, and rock left over from the solar system's foundation. Completely not fucking true. Do they want you to believe? Just basic dribble. Had to re-emphasize the point. But hear this. This is code. This has to be some kind of code. As a comet approach, and I understand this is what the hard science says. I get academia, I understand that, but this is a code. As comet approaches the sun, its surface begins to heat up. The ices near the surface get hot and sublime, turning to gas and erupting outward from the comet's surface. The gas carries dust and debris, shrouding the nucleus in a diaphanous cloud of gas and dust called a coma. The solar wind then blows the gas and dust away from the sun, which gives the comet its tail or tails. The tails always point away from the sun. The comet we see is the sunlight being reflected from the gas and dust in the coma and tails. The nucleus itself is hidden from our sight. The comet's brightness, therefore, is typically determined by three things. The size of the nucleus. The bigger the nucleus means the larger active area. Distance from the sun. Distance to Earth. If Nishimura doesn't turn out to be the great show you hope for, there's a chance another comet could put in a truly spectacular show next year. Comet C slash 2023 A3 Suchinshan Atlas was discovered at the start of this year. It's currently almost as far from the Sun as Jupiter. Let me read that again with the code and context. 
that the Zensictilians were given land, given territory on moons of Jupiter. That comet C-2023 A3 Suchinshan Atlas was discovered at the start of this year. It's currently almost as far from the sun as Jupiter. Over the next 12 months, it will continue to fall sunward, coming closest to the sun in late September of 2024. So we have two super awesome big-ass fucking comets that are actually insectilian hives traveling from Jupiter towards the Earth, towards the sun, towards the Stargate, the Solar Warden. If it behaves as expected, it could be a spectacular sight. But just remember, comets are like cats. Here's hoping for the best. Here's hoping that a war Break, doesn't break out between the insectilians and the human beings. And here's hoping that if a war between insects and humans is inevitable, that we are victorious, that Earth remains human. And that man can exterminate the swarm. But we can only do this united. All breakaway civilizations. And the people. Need to know. They need to wake up. So they can help. So they can fight but not so that they can panic. They need to wake up and do their part like in Starship Troopers, which I'm starting to feel every day was disclosure. Thank you all. Namaste and Salaam. God bless you and your families. Peace out.